0: I keep coming back to this same thought. If you want it to be real, write it down. This is a quote from Robert Rose. He's one of the biggest names in the marketing industry. He is a speaker, a multiple-time author, and he's the co-founder and chief strategist of the Content Advisory, which advises big brands ranging from uh, companies in CPG, big B2B brands, even the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And Robert is also someone I've personally learned a great deal from because he appreciates things like history and philosophy and the classics. Uh, he, he understands the value of comedy and emotion and story and experience. We very much see eye to eye and I, I dearly miss our meals that we usually have every year, about twice a year in Boston and Cleveland. Anyways, I invited Robert Rose to come as a special guest, discusser, lecturer, deconstructor of the creative craft to our workshop students. So so you may know, but as part of my business, I run four eight-week intensives a year to help people launch or reinvent their podcasts, all with one aim, make someone's favorite show. We like to say, you're not here to make a podcast, you're here to make a difference. So I do these four workshops every year. And as a part of the programming, where together we're all building our shows as a group, I also invite special guests. And Robert is one of those guests. And I really wanted to dig into his process running multiple shows and one of the biggest marketing shows on the planet called This Old Marketing. So in particular, we dive into his process of building that show with his co-host, Joe Polizzi. So Robert takes us into his process. Uh, it's a process that he doesn't talk about publicly very often, and it's a process that quite frankly, we should all embrace a lot more because again, back to the quote he gave all of us and I've been stuck thinking about since then, if you want it to be real, write it down. Force yourself to articulate something, and you'll improve. Force yourself to write something down, and you'll spot the holes. You'll be able to repeat it, and reinvent it, and teach it to others. If you want something to be real, write it down. The reason we don't is... Reasons? I don't know. I can't literally cannot think about why. Why don't we write it down? It's so simple. Just write stuff down. It's so, so much gets better. Anyways... <laughs> I could rant about this, but I will let Robert start ranting in just a moment as we head into this very different bonus episode of Three Clips, sharing something from inside the workshop, the live call that me and Robert had together. I want to know how to do the things to do. I thing, a two, a three that only comes from you. This is three clips. Hey, it's Jay, and as always on Three Clips, we believe creativity doesn't mean big. It's the sum total of lots of little hidden choices, tiny techniques, and micro moments that you can use when you craft any experience. So when you want to make a great show, when you want to make somebody's favorite show, if you understand the minutia, you can create things that others see as big. And so that's what we do here. We try to understand this craft a few little pieces at a time. And normally, we deconstruct a single podcast. But today, again, I wanted to share this recording from our live call with Robert Rose from Inside the Workshop. But before we get there, let's pay the bills real quick. I got to shout out our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Wistia. What gets you so excited that you start talking too loud? A few things that do that to me. uh, Quoting 90s comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, say, if we're debating if shampoo is better or conditioner is better. If you know, you know. Also, I get way too excited about how to make a great marinara sauce. By the way, when it comes to basil and oregano, a palmful or two or three, that's the correct unit of measurement. And of course, entrepreneurship, creativity, building brands, and telling stories. Those things get me talking too loud. And that's why I have a lot in common with Chris Savage. Chris is the CEO of Wistia, our presenting sponsor. And he's also the host of a great podcast called Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. That's where he talks way too loud about and to people who are focused on building more human brands. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and check out more of Wistia's original series, which are quirky and fun, refreshing and insightful, and all focused on building modern brands. You can find Chris's podcast and all their original series at wistia.com slash series. That's wistia.com slash series. All right, without further ado, let's head into this conversation that I had with the great Robert Rose. For those who are unacquainted, I just wanted to, I'll read your bio quick, uh, just so everyone understands this. Uh, So I just want to sing your praises because you're so worth it, my friend. So Robert is the founder and chief strategy officer of the Content Advisory, which is an education, research, and consulting group. And he's worked with brands ranging from Capital One to NASA, Microsoft, uh, CVS. Robert's written three books, which I highly recommend you all pick up. Uh, Managing Content Marketing with his first with co-author Joe Pulizzi. Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing with co-author Carla Johnson. And his most recent Killing Marketing, also with Joe Pulizzi. Killing Marketing is excellent and incredibly timely, especially in the crazy world we live in now. Uh, Robert hosts two podcasts. Uh, one just wound down. It's called the Weekly Wrap with Content Marketing Institute. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, 86 yeah. weeks of pushing that record button and trying to figure out something week to week. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that slog. And uh, and then the still live marketing podcast, Behemoth, which is This Old Marketing with Joe Polizzi. So I guess the first question I have for you, Robert, is what's with this Joe Polizzi guy?
1: Yeah, right. It's like, it's like we can't do anything unless we do it together. It's... it's uh... I guess the, the, the short answer to that is that he and I met in 2008 just as, as we were both trying to work on getting Content Marketing Institute up and running and, and you know, he is CEO and me as chief strategy officer and, you know, there are two, two things that are absolutely true. The first is, is that we are just a couple of monkeys who really enjoy talking to each other and so we, are, we just became friends really, really quickly. And so that's, we enjoy being with each other. The second thing that's absolutely true is that we have very different perspectives. I come at it from the marketing practitioner perspective, having been a CMO of a software company and worked on the agency side and, you know, and I'm old and have gray hair and stuff. And he came to it from the media side of the business as a publisher working in Penton Media and everything. And so, together, those two, when we look at the future of marketing and the future of content, those two perspectives, I think, are nice for a, you know, we, we kind of switch roles back and forth between play-by-play and the color guy. And so, it's a really nice combination. So, both in the writing of the books as well as the podcast, it's just, it seems to have worked.
0: You did hint at something, which is you do seem to delineate nicely. A lot of co-hosted shows, first of all, a lot of shows don't have to do this because they don't have a co-host, but a lot of co-hosted shows struggle to have delineated roles on the show because you know they're both equals, or you know maybe it's right. one executive and then someone who's a practitioner, and so they're already kind of like mimicking their day job roles. But how proactive was that on the show for you guys to? have different ways of operating so that you have different complementary, either skills or parts that you own, you know, and and for context for folks before you answer Robert, it's essentially it's a news analysis show that uh, does have a timelessness to it, I would say. So you do round up some big stories based on articles you found and interpret them, you each have a go at each story. And your audience's favorite section is the end called rants and raves, which we should touch on. But before we get to the actual episode format, talk to me about how you approach the delineation of duties. And well,
1: we did that from the very beginning. So the whole genesis of the show was, and this is a true story, you know, I, I, I don't travel as much anymore for the obvious reason, but when things are in some state of normalness, I can travel 200,000 miles a year true. to doing different client work, speaking at events, etc. And I was literally driving through the desert of California, uh, out to Palm Springs, uh, going to go do a gig. And he and I were just, we were literally talking on the phone. He had an hour to kill. And I of course had an hour to kill. And we were gossiping. We were just basically gossiping about the industry. And at the end he goes, you know, we should make a show out of this. <laughs> and that was the Genesis of the whole thing. But to answer your question, we immediately started writing the backbone. I mean, and literally writing the backbone of the show. And the goal was I would be host, me. I, I, would be, I would be the host of the show. Even though we would have equal time in speaking, I would be the one to drive the narrative forward. Like Smart. I would be the one to say, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Let's move on to the next thing. I would take the responsibility of architecting the stories. I would take the, the responsibility of, of the show flow and basically deciding what each show's theme would be and those sorts of things and I would act as the host of the show mm-hmm. and he would be in the formal position of being the you know the the color guy basically yeah. to add his flavor into the show and that was our official roles and of course what happens is is that we both end up commenting we both end up telling stories we both end up sort of taking, as you say, taking a go at each, at each article or each news item, but I more do so from the, you know, sort of the the role of, let me bring the practitioner side, you know, my sort yep. of the play-by-play guy, if you will, right? Practitioner you know, sort of being, in meaning thing. an
0: in-house brand. Yeah, like, you know, like I'm the
1: in-house guy that the audience should be like relying on to make sense of this thing, right? right. And Joe is going to bring in the, well, you know, I think it's a bunch of crap, you know. And so and so that was sort of and when we play off each other, we play off each other's roles in yeah. that way. Right. And it's that a, you know it's formalized from the very beginning.
0: Got it. And and so I want to tease out a couple of things. Uh so one is, you know, just for context for those who are unacquainted with this old marketing millions of downloads. I think I heard you say 150 countries. And I believe still one planet, so you have a ways to go there.
1: But <laughs> well, doing I don't well. Know. Venus just came out, right? So, it, I mean, we're, we're, we're
0: looking for our first subscribers from Venus now. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Does the, uh, podcast technology is pretty nascent, but somehow. <laughs> uh, so, it, you, you have this bird's eye view of the important things that happen in the couple of weeks since the episode last because it's an, right. now it's every other week that you publish that's um, right we were weekly week week and, week and then we up. moved to every other week and the theme of today is sustainability so the other thing i want to point out is how when i asked you how would you delineate the role you know you told me the genesis of the show you said immediately you started to write and and right now in the workshop we're focused on developing our show's premise so that lens through which you view anything you know you could take some guest or some news story that others have covered but when you press it through your own premise it's somehow different and uniquely your own and so we're in that process because that premise is so often not documented and you mentioned the rundown or the episode format we're actually going to be exploring that heading into next week which is week three of the workshop uh, out of a total of eight weeks and so you started documenting right away most people don't do that and i feel like every time i hear you and joe talk about anything relating to marketing documentation is like the gaping hole. And I can't for the life of me figure out why. It's just what we should be doing more.
1: Right. It's important. It's an important part of the process. You know, I mean, I've said it a million times, which is if you want to make something real, write it down. And so for us, it was really important to Something I learned from uh, John Stewart, actually, and, and it's one of the things that I think is, is, is such an important lesson. He was, uh, he was being interviewed by Terry Gross on NPR, and she said to him one time, she said, you know, you're, you do a daily show, and how much of it is scripted? Like, how much of it is actually written out? And he said, every bit of it. He said, mm-hmm. all of it. He said, the thing is, he said, we structure everything so tightly that and we know it so well how tight it is structured it allows us to play off of it right we can now right. start breaking rules right and so one of the things that we didn't want to do was wing it right we didn't want to just get on you know and just sort of get on air and wing wing the show so from the very beginning each segment and i don't know if we're going to go through it or not but basically we we'll, we have official segments of the show that i sort of break up as as host of the show and those segments are relatively tightly structured to time so that we hit a that we hit our time that we know that we're going to do three stories and the rants and raves and the different sections. But more importantly, it was to give it each to make sure that we were creating an arc in every episode. Right. So really making sure that when we created the, the skeleton, the uh, initial format of the show, that we wrote it down to say this segment will be this long, this segment will be this long, this segment, and, and write a basically write a, an abstract for every one of those
0: segments. Yeah, yeah. So show running parlance, you'd call that a rundown or run of show is really popular. Yeah. Like TV, you're gonna say a rundown. Often people talk yeah. about A block, then B block, then right. C block, right? That's, that's kind that's of just right. like par for the course. And then now uh, you get into the podcasting world and the exact impetus for your show becomes a disaster for most people where it's like you're bantering with a buddy, and you're like, this should be a podcast. This should totally be a podcast. Right. And the resulting podcast is such a disaster. And I think there's a number of reasons why, documentation and the lack thereof. But also, it's not the same as talking to your friend. It's now a performance. And so you have to, and it's a performance that persists. It's, a, it's episodic or serialized. So it has to be, you know, back to that, that theme word, Sustainable and you're not going to get there if you are in your words, Robert winging it So I think it's just smart to have a plan have a strategy and you know Everyone going through the workshop right now That's what we're in the process of doing and it can kind of feel like the train is Struggling to leave the station like we need that momentum, but it doesn't come right away So I have one more question about the genesis of your show and then I kind of want to move to A little bit of a broader topic after that and then we will go back into your episode format the question about the genesis of the show is How long did it take before you felt like there was momentum for the show? However you define it, like it became easier for you to do or you felt like the cadence was there, like the magic every episode wasn't so hard to create or or the audience reaction. Like this is an iterative thing, a show. How long would you say it took you? Because now you're hundreds of episodes in.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I would say with PNR, that show... We changed the format about 35 episodes in. Huh. Um, so that would be 35 weeks into the first year. We changed pretty radically the, the, the format. That was where, and we've changed it again, by the way, since, the, since we've rebooted and come back. So we've changed it major structure twice in its life. The first was about 30 episodes in because we just didn't feel like it was clicking as well as it should, and we wanted to introduce more depth, and so that's where I introduced what you know, a lot of people like was the, in the old, older uh, versions of the show. Uh, I had an introduction where I would do a five-minute you know, sort of intro to the whole show, yeah. bring in current topics and, you know, and, and be a little funny and punny and all that. And then we would do our show. And then, so that was episode 35. It wasn't because of any audience reaction. It was simply just because we didn't feel like the show was really clicking. And we felt it was too much of us just blathering on. And so we wanted to <laughs> add a little bit of. It was also when we started introducing some musical cues to the mm-hmm. show, you know, so it felt a little more highly produced. Right. That format lasted from episode 35 through really the end of the show in its current incarnation, which was episode 214, I think. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Joe took his sabbatical and then we brought the show back and we just started continuing again with 215. Um, and now we're 240 something, yeah, 230, yeah. Two th- 240, I think. I you've, think,
0: think you've passed like 240, 244 or something like yeah, that. Yes, I'm like, that I, yeah. and
1: so basically, yeah, 244, thank you. And so there, the show, the only difference, the major deal is I don't do the intro anymore. Mm. That was because I had launched in the, during Joe's sabbatical, I had launched the second show, which was the weekly wrap. And I did the introduction in that show.
0: Right. So now this does bring us to, uh, let me zoom out a little bit. We will come back to the fact that you had two shows and how you structure them and prep for them speaks to yeah. how you sustain a show. I think that, again, that theme we want to really drill into sustainability. Yeah. Before we get there, you're somebody who, if you heard your bio, you've worked a lot of brands and, and a lot of individual marketers follow your work too even outside of the fortune, call it 1000, where, where you've seen a lot of good and bad with marketing. Talk to me about what you've seen with marketers trying to make podcasts, the good, the bad, the ugly. Like what, if you put your pulse on this little niche that you know our little media company that could is trying to cover and evangelize, you're an outside perspective. You're not quite as biased for this stuff as I am. What, what's your observation of like the state of marketers making podcasts right now?
1: I think it mostly sucks. And mostly the reason it sucks is is because, you know, and I'm I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts for marketers that are doing this for their company. A lot of agencies do their podcast for their, you know, for their agency. So I'm a guest on a lot of those. And honestly, the inattention to production value, the inattention to structure and the inattention to the fact that this is a show that it, you know, it's not just you know the the number of times that I can tell you that a, that that a host sort of goes, "Hey, everybody! Really, uh, really, 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 really great that you're here." And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna welcome my guest now, Robert Rose. Robert is a chief strategy officer of. You know, I mean, just the 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 inattention to preparation and the fact that this is a show that you sh- you're <laughs> as my old screenwriting professor used to say, Robert McKee, you know. You're asking someone to spend time with you. You need to entertain them. Yes. And if you're not entertaining them, why the F am I spending my 30 minutes or one hour or two hours with you? And so it has to be bigger than life. It has to be right. bigger than, than just a slice of your day, right? And that means time and preparation and work and, and all of that stuff. And it's just, you know, there's most people are not willing to put the work in, right? Right. I think.
0: Right. Well, and you know, one of the things that we say uh, at our organization is that we're trying to teach chess, not checkers, right? Everybody wants it to be checkers, boom, 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 do these three moves, king me. But really chess is like, understand the landscape of the board, all of these pieces, all these diverse individual moves that the pieces could do, then you put it all together, it becomes even more complex. And that doesn't mean you can't learn chess but it, there's all these fundamentals that are more important than like the blueprint or playbook or tactics, right? And it's, and then- it's a good,
1: Yeah, it's a good metaphor because the, you know, chess is a relatively simple game, right? I mean, it's pretty simple to understand, but the complexity of the game itself is, you know, so deep, right? You know, doing a podcast is not hard, right? You know, doing, you know, is not particle physics, right? You know, <laughs> the, the level of technology and the process and doing it the activities themselves are not difficult to do. Right. it's doing the activities in a way that executes well is what you know. It's is what is difficult.
0: Yeah, and holding it together like it's yeah. one cohesive show. You know, like we yeah, talk exactly. about. The, we talk about the the challenges that you'll face as a showrunner, and so often people talk about microphones and technologies and what links. Where should I put my links on the internet to tell people that my show exists? And you know, that all that is incremental if at all useful, and sometimes it's not. Well, we yeah, talk I've about changed, it.
1: I've changed microphones. Twenty-two times in the four years of the show.
0: Okay, yeah. this is great. I've changed microphones zero times in the last yes. seven years of making six different podcasts. So, yeah. like, it's your mileage may vary on that stuff. But what what will be persistent and what needs to be discussed and, and the way we're trying to structure the workshop is what we think is the object is to make something capable of being your audience's favorite show for that right. purpose and address the challenges therein. So, if that's the goal, your challenge is not which microphone you should pick. Your challenge exactly. is, are you saying something that matters? Let's start yes. there, right? Uh, can you get people to the end of an episode in the experience of it all, in the structure of it all? Uh, and then we talk about deepening the relationship with the audience and then reinventing the show continually. And when you That's have right. those four challenges in your mind, which by the way, doesn't sound like quote marketing, but I think it's very much marketing. Now you have to focus on, in your words, the hard work. That's the game of chess right there. Play it out. So, That's right. All right, so unless I turn this into my own personal rants and rave section, let's dive into where your personal rants and rave section lives, which is the structure, the documentation of your show. I want to start with this old marketing. We might touch on the weekly wrap. This old marketing has, like you said, 240 plus episodes, sustainability achieved, I think, at this point. You do it all the time, and your schedule is not, especially before COVID, at all consistent. You're not in a studio every single day. You travel a ton. You have other projects you work on, yet you find a way to get this show in. First, give people a view of like how you structure episodes. Let's go with today's structure because I know it's changed. Sure. And then if you can just talk about the prep process, like how does the episode come together? Sure.
1: Absolutely. So yes. So we've reached like, we say we restructured the show since, since it came back and the real the structure that we sort of came up with was both coming out of the, you know, so for example, for 200 episodes, and we still get it today, you know, PR people calling us up saying, hey, I got to get my boss on the show. We, I, we really want to get an interview in. We want to get an interview in, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I my, my response to those is always, go tell me your favorite interview from which episode and let me know because we would love to have one on just like some episodes. So go tell me, and I'm hoping they're going to go listen to like nine episodes before realizing we've never had an interview on the show. Right. How you can tell that they're batching and blasting their PR approach. That's right. <laughs> and so one of the keys was it was always going to be about me and Joe, right? That was okay. it, right? And, and, and mostly the reason for that was for the consistency because we knew that scheduling interviews is the one thing that totally and being a news show you have to do it in the moment you can't go pre-record nine shows so you have to be wait for the news to happen and then sort of accumulate it so literally show flow doesn't get done until the day before we record because we want to capture anything we possibly can from a topic topical nature yeah but having said that the way we structure the show is so there is a intro Ah, uh, there's an intro section that I sort of write every by the way, every single thing on my side is scripted. It's yep. all scripted. I script out everything. And the only thing we don't share with each other is our take on the news because we want that to be we want our reactions to that to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So I write out an intro and it's hi, welcome, you know, welcome to episode X, Y, Z, recorded on whatever date. And then I introduce Joe which is sort of the intro section, and I always have some funny sort of way to introduce him that makes him look stupid, um, hopefully. (laughs) And then we go into what we call our sort of uh, opening banter. It's a segment of the show we call opening banter. We'll talk about anything, right? And it could be, I mean, literally anything, politics, football, you know, what's going on, the weather, you know, blah, blah, blah. Basically just sort of saying what's going on. Then we move into what we call the top of the show news, which is one news item that I have picked mm-hmm. sort of encompasses the theme of the show, right? Sort of sets a tone for the, for the rest of the show. That's usually some national news or global news item.
0: Affecting the, marketers.
1: Yeah, and we, yeah, well, not always. It, it, it <laughs> basically, the, the goal of the top of the show news is that it is in some way involved with business. And so that it basically sets the tone for the rest of the articles, which are more, more tactical in nature. They might be, you know, advertising or marketing or content marketing. That So that show that we go for 10 minutes on that. Mm -hmm. Then we segue into what we call our individual news items, which are things that Joe and I have shared in a shared uh, Evernote file that uh, throughout the week or the last couple of weeks where I pick three or four, depending on where I think their depth is and how much opinion we'll have on each. I always have an extra one just in case we're, you know, we're running on time. So three news items typically then that brings us to the sponsor mm-hmm. our sponsored section which right now is uh, exclusively CMI so they have a as a benefactor a, a sponsorship slot through the end of the year then our next is rants and raves which is our you know where joe and i have picked something from the news or something that really bugs us or something that we're really really loving in the world and and those items we typically don't share with each other as well so that oh. basically our reactions to that are real are in the moment right and then we have our closing uh, bit which is all the calls to action and the sort of you know go leave us a review and all of that so yeah. those are the segments of the show each one in on my as we go through the recording i've got in front of me as a you know as a big evernote file that i you know nothing is left to chance in terms of right. and i watch the clock right so as we're getting through I'm the one
0: responsible for saying, and now we got to move on to our sponsor. You know? Got it. How, how does this make the work easier you know, throughout the week? Not, not necessarily when you're recording it, but in terms of the prep and trying to develop this content, now that you have that documentation, what changes for you?
1: The thing that changes is, is I know exactly my bill of materials that I need for, for what we call show flow rundown, the show rundown, right? So I know exactly I need one big news item, now I'm sort of trained to sort of just watch for that. Right. So I, I'm, I'm, I am i do not actually have a, you know, I don't go, oh now I'm going to go out and do research for, you know, the big news item. You know, I just sort of, it's now ingrained into me that I sure. just, oh, that's, that's, that's this week's story. Right. Right. You right. Know? And so I boom, send it to my Evernote and then other elements, as I see them on social media or whatever, I just sort of send them in as I do. And then what I do is I, the day before the show records, I actually do spend a little bit of time to make sure there's nothing current that I've missed. Yeah, yeah. You know, basically, I don't want to miss like, why the hell didn't you cover that, right? And so we go. Th- I go. I spend about an hour doing that, and then I spend probably an hour putting together the the actual show flow from my Evernote right. notes, and then I see where Joe has inserted stuff and pull his stuff in, and, and then then I send it to him. Sometimes he has feedback like, now nah, let's not do that one. Let's do this one but it's rare. And then we go the next day.
0: Got it. So for those listening, whether you're live or later, what you can tell, probably two things you can tell. One is when you have any kind of documentation. So Robert, you're talking about, you know, the show flow, the rundown, I'd say, even if you're just documenting your premise, like this is what we aim to explore topically, and also our angle, our hook, how we'll explore it these are like lenses you can use to go about your day and see the world. So one example is we have a person, a student here, uh, Tommy from Florida, who is going to do a show about nonprofit board management. And he's got a lot to say around the topic as an expert, but also wants to make positive change. And how do you articulate that as a premise for your show? Like what is the positive change? You can't just say it's a Show generally about this topic. You have to have some kind of angular point of view. And then that comes through, and we'll do this as a group later in the workshop, but it comes through in the rundown. How do you manifest your point of view? What are the blocks and the beats? And so now that Tommy understands that that's his view, he could see anything out in the world and say, how does that apply back to my show? Right. So you're taking in news, Robert, and you're like, does that fit? How does it fit? And I'm sure that lets you reinvent quite easily. I'm guessing because what I've noticed from you as an individual is you're not just staying at home in marketing or even business. You do go out and seem to bring in stuff that inspires you from other domains like, you know, classics or film or anything. Like I've I've seen you touch a sports and that has a place in your show because you have a purpose to it all. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, yeah, there's, there's two things there that I think are important to, to, to take away. One is, yes, find your metaphors. I mean, you know, that it's storytelling, you know, 101 here, which is find your fun, popular culture, you know, classics, whatever metaphors, because they become critical in, in being able to take some side routes or some clever and entertaining ways to get to a point Right. Um, which are, you know, just very, you know, very important when you're doing a show. The first part of, of what you were talking about, and I think the importance there is, and it actually is, a, Weekly Wrap was actually a better example of this. Oh, yeah. That'd be great if you could dive into that. Too. Where I actually work backwards, right? So, instead of saying, here's the news, let's figure takes on it. The way I worked Weekly Wrap was always, I wanted there to be an overarching lesson. In other words, there was some sort of change or some sort of lesson I wanted in each weekly wrap to be themed. And that would usually come from my introduction. Like Mm -hmm. I would be, this week I'd be like, I really want to talk about, you know, storytelling in this this week. Or I really want to talk about the importance of metaphors or the importance of reusing content. You know, whatever sort of change I wanted to instill in the audience, the value I wanted to give. And I would work backwards to then find news items that supported that. Yeah. And I think so,
0: that seems to be the, the type of show that's most common in our workshops is here's the change we want, the theme we want to explore, the thing that we're going deep on, whether it's yeah. a, episode to episode or you know, ideally the whole show has that arc to it. And then let's, let's pick out guests that serve that. Let's find news stories that serve that. Uh, back to the example from Tommy, he asked me a question about, What about coach Tony Junji? Like, how could I create a program such that he could teach us some lessons? And it's the metaphors. It's, you know, I'm seeing the world in this way. And now this thing that seems completely irrelevant might actually have an application over here, right? Like, how does this new thing, which I, if I wasn't thinking about my show, if it wasn't internalized and documented so clearly to me, I might not have found that insight from outside this echo chamber. But now that it is clear to me, I notice it. And I feel like you're a master at that. It's a hard thing
1: to do. Well, I, trust me, I, you know, because here's the thing, when the muse doesn't strike, you still have a show to do. You know, people used to ask me about weekly rap. They would say, how long does it take you to, you know, to write the script for each episode of the weekly rap? And I would say an hour or it's my Sunday, right? (laughs) I mean, and basically it was, it it was never sort of in between, you know, it's, It's a very, you know, pulling all that stuff together can be
0: really, you know, hashtag
1: the struggle is real sometimes.
0: Yeah. When people ask, uh, a good example is when I do like a narrative style podcast where it's very heavily produced, lots of voiceover, music, sound design, multiple voices all weaved together. I have gotten questions like, how long does it take for you to do one of those episodes? And I struggle to answer it, not only because I'm worried they're focused on the wrong things, but give them the benefit of the doubt. They're thinking correctly. They've done all the work. They just want to know. My answer could be seven hours or 17 or 27 week to week. But also, do you want me to answer based on these scripts? Because also it took me seven years to be able to do them in that time. And then it took me, however, 20 years to be able to do a podcast period, right? So like my age, that's the answer. How long did it take me? My entire life to be able to do a script like that in seven minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's, there's, so There's two pieces to that, which are both skills requisite, which is, you know, the, how long does it take you to piece, you know, because the other thing that a lot of people ask me, because weekly rap is much more intricate when it comes to music and editing and putting together than, than PNR is. Basically they would, uh, you know, and that's an interview show as well where, you know, so I would interview somebody and editing interviews are, are, (laughs) Uh, if I don't ever do that again, I won't miss it. And so the technical aspects, the fine tuning of the crossfade of the music into the thing and making sure that it comes together with the theme music and that sometimes, you know, this is just me maybe, but sometimes I would pick theme music that was in the same key as my, you know, as my my overall theme music so that when they do the crossfade, it matches better. Those kinds of things, are separated from the, how long does it take to actually come up with a good idea? Which, when that muse you know, hits, literally it can be, I can write something down. And I mean, I'm literally, I can think of it faster than I can type it. Right. And sometimes I struggle with it. And, and quite frankly, you know, I mean, if we're all honest, we phone it in sometimes, right? It's like, nah, this isn't my best idea, but it's one that gets me to deadline this week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it. I'm going right.
0: to execute. It. It's important to put in that wrap and I think that's to back to the documentation thing. If you have that to lean on, you can reset Oh, God, it. yes. Oh, wait, you have to have it. It's absolutely
1: the, it's the foundation on which you lean everything because you can always go back to it. Right. You can always go, where, you know, what is my rule here? What is my, you know, it gives you the, the, the walls of the sandbox in which right. you can make castles.
0: Right, I love it. Uh, so I, we've talked about show development a little bit. I'd love to talk about show marketing. Uh, or i 'm trying to register this trademark, but sh- marketing can we can we want to try that on for no okay no <laughs> I need to go outside more <laughs> so let 's talk about show marketing so sure. uh, you and I have exchanged emails where I was just curious because the show is long running and that 's part of the magic. You and Joe have personal audience and personal platforms, and it 's part of the content marketing Institute, which in and of itself has a a, a massive audience. So it's not like all of us are capable of just instantly giving something to that many people, but I, I have gotten some good ideas for what to do and also not to do for the shows that I run uh, from you over the years. So I'm just curious, Robert, when you think about if we, if, if you were to launch this old marketing, PNRs, this old marketing today, sort of just giving it to the people already paying attention to you, what other activities would you try? And also which ones would you completely steer clear of? We've done almost
1: everything you can think of in terms of marketing PNR and weekly wrap to that, to that matter. So the first thing that helps look, you know, having an existing audience helps absolutely 100%. And it's one it's Joe and I share this advice when we get asked this question, like if you were starting a podcast today, what would you do? And I would say, don't start it until you have an audience. And so, you know, I mean, and that's a little bit of a snarky answer, but, but it it is true in some cases, which is having some semblance of an audience to start with just helps. It's just right. really helpful. Starting it with zero, like starting yourself with no brand, no audience, no personal notoriety, nothing is just really, 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 really hard. So you have to lean in to some of the other things, right? Which are having guests right that have audiences and starting to leverage them doing paid media we've done paid media to advertise the show through google search through banner ads through sponsorships of other podcasts through sponsorship at events those have been relatively successful i mm-hmm. will tell you in terms of getting some new listeners the best i will the, the best performing thing honestly was taking the content elsewhere Speaking at events, attending events, writing uh, articles in in other, you know, uh, uh, magazines, other blogs, guest posting, you know, writing a guest email for
0: someone. Guest appearing on other podcasts?
1: Appearing on other podcasts. All of that was sort of, from a performance standpoint, was absolutely the best performing.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, it's about participation, not promotion. It's like we have these ideas. right we have both material work, both work both can work yeah and if
1: you have the dollars i would recommend both because look getting you know paying for attention can work but absolutely the best perform the best performing from a roi standpoint yeah is participation in other stuff.
0: Right. And and you know you're you're then a, a, assuming the role of an evangelist which is I guess a type of marketing depending on how you define the word marketing but like you're trying to say I have learned quite a bit or have seen quite a bit or have all this content bottled up uh or the content that is bottled up in there gives me this new idea. Either yeah. way, you're now going out into the world trying to make the same change, inspire the same people, teach the same people as you would on your show just elsewhere. Um, and, and you have it all. It's all right in front of you. You don't exactly. have to like go And up.
1: honestly, what, what we found was is that we were actually driving audience to CMI, not the other way around.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: You know, we, we would, we, PNR now, I mean, we can get into some really fun nitty-gritty details here about, you know, You're in the right crowd. Lost You're in the right lost some of route. our audience by going every other week and all of that. But when we were at our peak audience, when we were a weekly show, you know, toward the, toward the end before Joe went on his sabbatical, we had way more audience on any weekly basis than, um, than CMI did. We were actually a draw to CMI, not the other way around.
0: Wow. Okay. And, and did, how did it, well, there's no one answer, of course, but how, how did it get to that point? Cause my perspective is podcasts are really bad for spread. They're bad for reach because unlike an they article, are. you know, articles rank on search. Episodes do not. Articles, one click, you've shared it to Twitter if you like it. Episodes, much clunkier to share. So now you our show notes
1: pay. I mean, you have to have a show notes page. You have okay, to interesting. have a show notes blog. You have to have transcription, you know, all of those. You have to have a home base for the podcast. Yep. Um, now, ours was CMI. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we housed all of our blog posts and show notes and links and all of that stuff. And, you know, we, that's the, that was our big reach, right? That was our, you know, the way we attracted new audience was through Joe and my efforts in public speaking, guest posting, being on other podcasts right. and all of that. That was where we got our reach.
0: Yeah. Now you've written three books. I, I imagine you found the parallels hosting and growing a show to me feels more like having a new book out uh, in the fact that you need to be on that tour mentality. Like I'm going to appear on other shows and talk about my show. I'm going to appear you know, in the same way you would on your book. It feels a lot more. like I have stuff bottled up in this dense thing, a book or a show. And now here come the blog posts and the social graphics and all that stuff. It's sort of like nascent value or the Absolutely. biggest value payload you have. Now you have to give out little doses of that value elsewhere.
1: Go look at what Drew Barrymore is doing right now. All right. I mean, this is the perfect example of what, of Of the way you market a new show, like Drew Barrymore right now is on every single local newscast you can find. I mean you can just you can 't turn on the local news without seeing an interview with Drew Barrymore for her new talk show right and that 's the same mentality right is, is you have to get out there and start talking up the show, start talking up your topic, start talking up your the way that you you know in every you know like everywhere like you know, it's one of those things where you get an invite to be on a, you know, you go ask to be on a podcast, you know, you're going to go ask to be on the big ones, right? You know, but you get asked to be on a podcast and you go look at their podcast. And like I was saying earlier, might not be that great, but it's 20 minutes out of your day. It's 30 minutes out of your day. Go do it. Just go do it. right? Right. You know, because if it gets you two new listeners, four new listeners, one new listener, that one new listener turned, can turn into four, can turn into five, et cetera, because right. they're going to tell their friends.
0: And, and to me, this is why I think it's so important to be able to tell the story of your show, not just the stories in your show, where yeah, you can exactly. go out and say, hey, Robert, you know, I know you, this is a f- former show, obviously, uh, we've talked about Weekly Rap a couple times that just wrapped up. But when you were hosting Weekly Rap, I might have thought to myself, I'd love to be a guest on Robert's show. And maybe I don't know Robert. I have a marketing podcast and I'd love to share what I'm learning there. Not good enough. I need a more compelling hook to be like, look, I know there's a million marketing podcasts. You probably hear from a million marketing podcasters. Here's what we do. Unlike other marketing podcasts, only we do this. And I think it's the ability to say only we, whether that's your point of view and you're hoping you align with someone else's belief system and they say yes as a result because they're like my people or it's only we and then you have something you've been able to access as a result of a long running show. Like we have 55 episodes already. Here's all the stuff we learned. It's unbelievably hard to get. I'm now going to surface that. I'd love to teach your listeners that. But it's this idea that because you have a show, generally exploring your niche, that others will talk about it or others will want to feature your knowledge. I think that is a fool's errand. It has to have a hook.
1: Yeah, and for us, it's you know, quite frankly, it's you know, it's you know, this is going to sound trite, and and but for PNR as an example, it's. Being, being ourselves is the, is the hook. But that's, I know that's I don't know, authenticity and blah, blah, blah. But what I mean <laughs> by that is, we say silly things. We say tweetable things. We say, you know, provocative things. You so, are,
0: I've jokingly and lovingly, by the way, called you both the Statler and Waldorf of yes, content marketing. Yes, that's exactly
1: right. Right. We say snarky things, right? And so, that's the, the, the that's exactly it. And happily wear that moniker, which is, if you're a guest on a show and you're boring nobody cares right right if you get on the show and you like you can raise the level of that show by just you know and help the host raise his or her game and you raise your game and you just say provocative things one is is it gets more reach for the show but two it it those
0: who do listen to the show go
1: we're going to get more of that right yeah and then you know what i mean you 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 go
0: you get you get listeners So what I got from our first half was just this need for the documentation, uh, what you called show flow, what I said was a rundown and just how important that is. What I'm getting from this half talking about show promotion and participation in the community is you kind of need to have your your takes, right? Like if someone asks you, "What, what do you think about this? It's not that you're trying to be the news media and have like a hot take, right? And just like drive a bunch of eyeballs, but you do need that. Go to handle that idea that point of that, view, the yeah, point, point of view, right? Like, like that's view. the other phrase, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. having those at the ready are important. Not that you have the same exact words, yeah, you don't
1: have to be funny or snarky or controversial or provocative or you know have pictures of cats, right? <laughs> you just have to have a distinct point of view that right. people go, huh, right? You know, and as I've said with before, in many times, right, to have you know your point of view in order to be right for some people, you yeah. have to be willing to be wrong for others. And so, you know, saying things and being something, your brand of your show and your brand of you in that show, you have to be willing to sort of, you know, live by your sword and die by your sword, right? right? So have something that's, that's have, you know, this is the, this goes back to classic Howard Stern, right? You know, the, the, you know, there are people who listen to our show who, and we get the letters, trust me, who, who absolutely send us like you guys are so wrong about this blah 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 (laughs) right and the reason that works you know is if you go back to the classic howard stern when they said you know people listen for five hours a day why their number one response to see what he's gonna say next yeah People yeah. hate, you know, people also hate him, but listen for six hours per day. Why? <laughs> Number one response, to see what he's going to say next.
0: Right, right. That, now, like, like, that's an extreme version of what we're all going for, yes, exactly. obviously, but it is on the yeah. same spectrum. I, you know, I, it's not, I think about uh, here in the live call, I think about like, Yako is a startup founder building software to help CEOs and founders get better at financial modeling. Okay instead of exploring generally financial modeling and using finances, things like that, we're, we're talking about in the workshop how he and his show can have that point of view of like, look, this is a decision-making tool. You should start here. It's how it, it's something to help you make choices as a founder. It's not housekeeping. It's not something to offload quickly to an accountant or your CFO. And the problem is most founders are scared of it or overwhelmed. They don't want to have any kind of decision flow through the financials. It's all from the gut. There, there's hubris and ego. There's there's a point of view there. Now, Yako, no offense to you. Are you talking about some societally changing, like, you know, politi- political issue or, you know, climate change? No. No. But to the no, people you're speaking no. to, it does come from a place of passion. It does come from a place of, like, I really want to align with folks that believe what I believe about financial forecasting, even, because we're human. It doesn't matter the topic. We want to align with that point of view or those, those beliefs. Robert and I can talk for 16 hours straight, uh, (laughs) especially if you start introducing tequila and bourbon respectively. So we we do have a few more minutes left. I'm curious if anyone here has any questions for Robert. Now's your chance. If not, I have a couple more questions to ask him. Kevin. Hey, Robert. Thanks for doing this,
1: man. I'm wondering how often you communicate with your co-host. You were mentioning using Evernote and stuff. Do you guys have a regular cadence that you keep in communication? Do you have a weekly meeting? Or is it more like, I can see the advantages of just Slack or something where it's more when you have a moment, you can send a message, then he sends it back. Just wondering
0: how you manage that.
1: I, you know, I will tell you one of the reasons, and this is the honest to God truth. One of the reasons that we started the show was so that we would have an excuse to talk every week because we enjoy each other's company. Having said that, no, other than occasionally like something goes down like some big acquisition happens or some big news item and he'll send instead of just throwing it into evernote he'll send me a text and go omg this has to be like the top of the show thing we the only time now what we do is when we record we record for an hour but we schedule our time when we record for an hour and a half because we spend a good 30 minutes talking through not only the show but also basically just catching up right you know so we we catch up we get into a flow and it and it does two things one is it allows us to catch up which is nice but the second thing is it gets us into it warms us up basically it warms us up for the performance of the show because we start you know so we don't get on the phone and immediately hit record and go we get on the phone, we talk, we chat, we gossip, we laugh, we make a couple of jokes and some of that stuff will make it to the show. Like we'll go, Oh my God, you should do that on the show. You know, that's kind of thing. But then when we record, we're on for the hour and then when we're done recording, we're pretty much like, okay, bye. <laughs> and then we
0: don't really talk again until the two weeks later. Thanks Kevin. Thanks. Any other questions for Robert? I had one come up from the group ahead of time that someone couldn't be here and they wanted to know, I think it was maybe Amanda when you think about we were talking about her very broad topic show she has a niche in it but she's ultimately trying to create a show about community and she and I were talking about how you can craft a show that promises to explore something pretty general that maybe a lot of other content is published around like the idea of developing communities you created two shows now about marketing and content marketing. I mean, marketers market to marketers all the time right. on their marketing podcasts and other things. So how, how do you differentiate? How do you carve out that niche? Whether it's the way you explain it to your audience on the show, or even if you're going out to pitch an article or guest spot on someone else's show and you're like using your podcast as a reason they should have you, how do you find a space in that really overwrought niche?
1: Yeah. Well, you have to find it, right? I mean, so the two levers that I find that you can pull are you can take on a very big topic for a very specific audience or you can take a very specific topic for a very wide audience.
0: All right. One more time. That was was beautiful. Can we get it again?
1: (laughs) You can basically develop a very niche topic for a very wide audience or you can take a very wide topic to a very niche audience.
0: Okay, cool. Those
1: are the two levers that you can pull the biggest mistake is to put them right right in the middle right where you know where you're developing a very wide topic for a very wide audience cuz then why am i listening right cuz i can find it elsewhere right typically right and so in other words i can teach accounting to young people who want to get into a very specific accounting for a financial services career you know very specific or i can teach to you know, young people, the idea of music in a very specific genre. I'm making those two things. No, I get it. You can, you can,
0: it depends on where's your run on sentence. Is it about the audience you're trying to reach or is it about the thing you're exploring? That's right.
1: That's right. And so when I think of her trying to build community, I think what part of community does, you know, the, the immediate thing is on the wide audience. It's like, well, what does that mean? What does community mean? You know, and finding the specific meaning of, Because community is too big a topic. That's like me saying, I want to make a show about content. You know, it's too big a a topic for a wide audience to me. And so if it's not going to be to a very niche audience, in other words, community managers who manage Facebook pages and nonprofits, it's going to be rather, where can I focus my the idea of community. Where can I find the niche within the idea of what community is right. in 2020 in a post-COVID world and a, you know all of that and
0: wrap my show around that. Awesome. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I know Amanda will too. Tommy, you have a question in the comments. Um, did you want me to read it or did you want to chime in?
1: Uh, I can chime in. Robert, I assume you produce your own show in terms of the fades and the music and et cetera. So my question is, does the, Do I or any of us in this group, do we have to become producers to get the best nuance or can we have a post-production guy and have it kind of templated? Uh, I will tell you, I do produce all the shows. With PNR, there's not much to it, to be quite honest, because we've built a bit of a template. There's some intro music and basically Joe works in a program called Audacity and the intro music is there. And pretty much it's just layering in the, I mean, we can get into production specifics if you want, but basically layering in the audio file and it's kind of done. I mean, there's some, maybe some minor tweaks and stuff. So producing the show for him takes quite literally 20 minutes, maybe max Mm. for weekly wrap it's much more of what you're thinking of where there's music fades in and out there's no template the interview has to get edited there's breaks between those things there's background music there's fades there's all the things if i'm completely honest that's where i love to spend my time i mean i <laughs> geek out on that stuff so i love doing it most of my colleagues that i know they got you know they got somebody who does that for them they got you know a wonderful man or woman who handles that stuff for them and they just basically send over the raw files and that person magically puts it together. So you can absolutely outsource that part of it.
0: A the, uh, the couple things there, Tommy. I'm happy to do a, a lunch and learn of sorts where I will do a call like this where I can showcase some of the editing processes that, that I go through because I have very different style editing so for the DIY crowd or interests, I can show it. Um, I also have very many friends. I've been lucky to meet a lot of people in this industry who, who are doing that for other shows. So if anyone needs a recommendation, even if you're not part of the workshop and you're hearing me say this, I love sharing work with freelancers who, who deserve the work, especially right now. Yeah.
1: I shouldn't do it, but I do. <laughs> I'm
0: <laughs> I the same way. spend
1: my time in other areas, yes. but I, I love it. I just, I mean, it's my favorite thing to do is to put on some headphones and sit and do it for, you know, at two hours. The I moment
0: shouldn't. where the, when the music lines up perfectly with the cadence of your voice oh. and that one strategic word and you finally listen back to it and it just works. Oh. And you get that, you get that slam cut right when I
1: go, this is the weekly rap. Right. And boom. Right to the theme song. And I go, and it just, and it
0: hits right on beat. It's like, you know, Ira Glass, to my knowledge, still, the last time I heard him say this was probably a year ago, but he uh, he's still on a show that's as big as This American Life, has as many pe- people working on it. He still does episode notes where he's like, move this an eighth of a second further out to like time the music with the voiceover. Like he's yes, still nice. nerding out on that stuff. To me, that's where so much of the magic happens. Not every show is that nuanced and complex, yeah. however. I so used not- to do,
1: in Weekly Rap, I used to do a... um. So I got slapped on the hand by YouTube and and and, uh, and Apple. I used to love to put in movie clips, you know, uh-huh. just really short movie clips to sort of set the theme of the show, you know, sort of, and I love going and finding the just exactly the right movie clip to put in. And it was really, really fun. And the yeah. other thing I loved to do was this, and this re- it required really hard editing, was I used to love to put in, so at the end of every weekly rap show, I used to do a thing like, if you don't like the show, if you hate it, like you just came upon it and you don't really like it, well, in the immortal words of you know Guns N' Roses, and then I would cut in sort of a great line from a Guns N' Roses song, you know, like where they were talking about breaking up or you know how much I hate you or something like that. <laughs> you know, and that was always fun to do too. But you know, sadly, rights, yeah, sadly, the rights, yeah, sadly, those rights holders don't have the sense of humor that I do.
0: No, I I agree. Few do, Robert. Few do. Um, <laughs> We're at time here. I, if you have other questions, feel free to send them to me and, and I, can, I can pick Robert's brain asynchronously. But I want to thank you so much for your time, my friend. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, congrats on the success of this old marketing. You and Joe are great at what you do and I'm glad the show is persisting and thriving. If everybody listening, whether you're live or later or on the podcast, can thank Robert for basically donating his time. I called in a favor for this and he was generous with his time to say yes. Go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and five-star uh, rating at that and review for this old marketing as a way of saying thank you. Uh, you thank did not you have to pay for a time ticket. Time. That's the most awesome thing ever. Yes, everybody go rate that show, please. Five stars <laughs> oh, so for our friend, Robert.
1: <laughs> Game Net system. Yes, thank you for having me, this was totally fun. <laughs>
0: Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for coming live or watching at home or listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm Jay for Robert and everybody else. Thanks so much for joining. All right, that's it for me. We're back with a typical type of episode in two weeks. I'm Jay kunzo and I believe this work we do is not about who arrives. It's all about who stays. So thanks for staying with me, and I'll talk to you every other Monday on this show and every Friday in the newsletter. See ya.